Hello and welcome to the eighth episode of the Habibi Collective podcast, an educational resource and insider guide to the film industry. We are 100% independent and volunteer-led, so if you enjoy listening to our free podcast series, please consider donating to our Patreon linked on our website. I am Bella Barquette, and I'm so excited and honored to introduce Elham Shakarafar. Elham is a BAFTA-nominated producer and curator, producing and distributing documentaries through her company, Hakawati, with the core ethos that a good story is all in the telling. Elham was awarded the Woman in Film and TV BBC Factual Award in 2017 and named a producer on the rise in Screen International's 2018 Brit 50 list. Elham is also a lecturer at the Free University of Berlin and a research fellow of the Department of Anthropology at Goldsmith University with extensive experience of working with young refugees and running participatory projects. So thank you, Elham, for joining me. Oh, I'm really glad to be here with you. Thank you. So I guess we can hop right in. What got mm-hmm. you into film and how did it all begin? So I had quite an unusual journey into film because I didn't study film and uh, I actually studied Persian, st- um, Persian literature. Mm. And after that, didn't quite know what I wanted to do and studied a little more visual anthropology. And I think I, I always loved the medium of storytelling through film, through moving image, also photography, but I didn't quite know how I wanted to apply what my learnings or my interests and, and actually went into community work for almost a decade before I turned back to film. So it's quite an atypical journey in a sense, but at the same time, I like to talk about it because I don't think that there are, I don't think film school is the only way you should be getting into filmmaking. And the more atypical journeys, I think, the more interesting narratives we're going to be seeing. So um, what got me back into film was actually a filmmaker, really. Um, I I was doing a lot of work within, uh, so within a community space, working with unaccompanied minors, so young refugees who are separated from their families. And I was really conscious through that work of how the power of narrative was so visible um, in policy, in how the young people I was working with were vilified for so many different reasons, whether that was in the media or just even within kind of local policies and just seeing how much young people were just held to account for kind of silly things like being too noisy in the streets. Um, And I think that really kind of made me look back to filmmaking with, with kind of new eyes in a sense. Mm. And I was approached by a filmmaker who, was, who wanted me to come on board to help fundraising because that was one of the things that I was doing in the community space. Um, and I thought, you know, it, it's always interesting to try and apply skills that you have to a different space. And the film was about a long distance runner from the Western Sahara and that was a subject that I'd never really heard about. And, and it really struck me that, you know, I'd, I'd grown up in Paris and I thought that I knew a lot or had, you know, friends and connections all across North Africa, but actually the Western Sahara had only been presented to me from one perspective. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's basically how I got back involved in a sense. I started fundraising for that film and eventually kind of stepped into the shoes of a producer because I I was doing all of the things that a producer would do. Um, And, you know, along the the way I learned that 
it really wasn't all about money. It's very much a kind of a part financial, but also very strategic and also very creative role. And over the years, I think I kind of developed my understanding of what my skill sets were and what I was interested in to make the most of those kind of concurrent aspects of, of what producing and filmmaking can be. Mm. Um, and then kind of from that, could you explain a bit about your company Hakawati and how it almost has further enabled you to share and spread the work of several storytellers that you've worked with? Yeah, definitely. So um, I set Hakawati up uh, in 2017, which is now more than a few years ago. And as you mentioned, I think at the beginning, Hakawati means storyteller in Arabic. And I really like this notion because what I'd learned in, in the kind of years leading up to setting up the company um, was that filmmaking is storytelling at all different phases. I think producing a film is a kind of practice of storytelling in lots of different ways, whether it's trying to find the way to make, um, to present something before it's actually, actually taken shape right, to a group of funders or, or stakeholders or people who might enable you to make it on your own terms. Um, but equally with a finished film, then the distribution of a film is a form of storytelling. Mm. You need to create some sort of narrative to put it out there and ensure that it's engaged with in a way that's, that's true to the film. Um, and then curating film is also a kind of storytelling, particularly, you know, the meta-narrative that will be drawn between you know, a group of films that are sat next to each other. And I, I thought I was engaging with all of those spaces and I really liked the idea of kind of bringing them all together under one kind of roof in a sense. And with that, I think it gives, it, it gives me more, um, I suppose, a better kind of reach and range in terms of the narratives that I do support. Because often, I mean, I'm, I'm specifically looking at I used to think it was the other side of the story, but I think as I've grown older, I've you know, learned to question what we define as the center. And I, I think you know, my, my aim is to make the center whatever it is that, uh, or whoever or whatever is the subject of the film or whoever is the filmmaker. And generally the, the voices that attract me are the ones that, that speak to me. And that those are the quieter voices, the voices that are challenging this kind of dominant narrative or the kind of dominant whole and I'm very conscious of those stories because you know they they sit most closely to me in a sense and um that's so that yeah in a I could go on and on about this but I don't know whether that's what you want to hear necessarily I love that I love that and then in a way um do you, what do you look for in stories and how do you know which stories to almost highlight and share do you feel like a certain responsibility when doing so that's a really good question because I think I don't look for stories per se. I think I, I think stories have always come to me and I think you need to know what moves you and to feel it in your guts and to feel something, whether it connects to you and, and whether you kind of, whether it's pushed you, I guess, in a, in a new direction, it's taught you something, it's made you curious. That's the thing that should, that should motivate you to make something. Um, so, you know, the story that I told you about the Western Sahara, that film, The Runner, that challenged me. It's a film that, 
you know, it's a story that came to me and that actually challenged what I thought I knew about somewhere. And that's why I became involved in it. And I think those are the films that I get involved in, the, the ones that will challenge, I guess. And not, you know, I think documentary is an interesting space because it's not really the space of reaffirming things that you know. To me, documentary is a space of asking questions and of curiosity and of trying to understand something and if you go into a documentary film thinking that you know everything I don't think you're going to be making a truthful film um, I talk often about the fact that storytelling in the non-fiction space is about putting frames around reality yeah. and it comes back to this idea that reality isn't about something but storytelling and narratives and films are and so in the process of making sense of reality, we are deciding what things mean. But with documentary, it's the space of reality as it's unfolding so often. So you need to know, you need to have an openness to be challenged. You need to have an openness to experience. You need to have an, ex an openness to be moved and to move with the story. Otherwise, you're going to be putting frames that you've already just decided and defined before you actually know anything, really. So um, I can't remember the beginning of the question. It's what films you decide. I think the films, to yeah. some extent, choose you. But to a bigger extent, I think it's about openness and it's about a kind of challenge, a kind of curiosity. And so people often talk about documentary and truth mm. and truth is such a, it's such a big thing. I don't think we can know truths like, you know, but, but I think we can know that there is a truth in an intention or that there is a truth in a moment or that something has been captured. And, and that's what the best documentaries can do. I think this notion of kind of, this is real is problematic from the outset because this is, you know, a film, even if it's observational, even if it's a camera just set up somewhere, it's always a version, it's an edit, it's a perspective, it's a gaze, it's always going to be that. So we need to acknowledge that within our filmmaking or within even just our intentions. And from there, we can, perhaps find a truth and the truth that we find is probably our own yeah definitely and then kind of on that so what you were saying about this importance to challenge and kind of creating a space of reality I know you also do an impressive amount of work kind of outside of producing creative documentaries including film programming translation and publishing and curating <laughs> many many things what mm -hmm. kind of underpins all the work that you do and does your other work inform your documentary producing how does it all fit together yeah it's a good question I think they all speak to each other I, I think that there is a kind of if there's a meta narrative it's a narrative of um, it is a meta narrative, maybe of storytelling. It's it's maybe a meta narrative of curiosity. Mm. I think translation is really interesting to me as a space of bridging, yeah. of trying to. Um, you know, I, I grew up in Paris. I'm Iranian and British, and so essentially, I grew up between three languages between at least three countries, there's always something that's missing 
you know, whether it's a person or a word that doesn't quite define how you feel in the space that you are, it's, there's always a kind of in-between, I think. And I feel like a lot of the films, well, maybe not necessarily only the, film, the films that I've made, but a lot of what I'm drawn to is trying to kind of explore the in-betweens mm. and to think about what bridges you can build. So in that way, to me, translation is not so different to curating, for example, which is very much a space of bridge building. Um, but equally, you could say it's not so different in another way to distribution, which is engaging with a certain landscape and, and working out how to, to tell a story that will enable something to be understood on its own terms within that space. Yeah. So I think there's this kind of connection. I, I'd like to say that I, I don't think that there's a dominant theme per se. I think there's a lot of, I'm really interested in how the kind of the personal and the political collide, I guess. Maybe that's a thematic that that comes up a lot. And that's probably related to the fact that, you know, as someone who lives between three, three languages, I don't even want to say three countries or cultures because I don't think that's quite right. I'd say, you know, three modes of engaging with the world almost. Um, and maybe it's not even three, maybe it's many more or a different way of engaging with that. Um, that actually what I'm constantly curious about is how people make sense of their world and how people live within it. Yeah, that is really interesting. And could you speak a bit more about how you're kind of able to engage with these three different languages, for example, or kind of these different global audiences through your work? Yeah, I'm not sure I've, I've always been that successful with it. I mean, it's, it's, I think that's more like a work in progress. I feel like um, growing up or even now, you know, people will reference something, some sort of popular culture reference that I'll have missed. And it's because, oh, I wasn't in the right country at the right time to know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, this is like, so it's this constant negotiation. And I think it's a really interesting, you know, there's a huge richness to it because it means that you, your reference points are in a sense atypical, but, you know, coming back to the very beginning of our conversation, atypical to what? Um, and it speaks again to this kind of dominant narrative. So for example, the film industry in this country is, you know, monolingual, monocultural. It's just so, it's, it's very narrow framed. The fact that you know, last year's Oscars, a, a foreign, supposedly foreign language film won. And, you know, the director who speaks perfect English um, had the audacity to go up with a tr translator and to suggest in his own language. <laughs> and then th that came across to the audience through a translator that if you could overcome the inch of subtitles, a world will be open to you. Mm. And I completely agree and engage with that but equally recognize that this is an industry that is so, um, particularly from this vantage point in the UK, um, is first of all looking to the US, but it's so kind of constricted to its English language and its kind of monoculture. Um, but I think things are changing to some extent, not least because there are, there are many people like myself who live in between and there will only be many more people living in between because of how connected our world is. Um, and so there are things that will have to shift. Mm. Um, again, I can't remember what the beginning of the 
what what was the question <laughs> um i cannot exactly remember but i think this kind of goes on to the next question which okay. is how has the documentary industry changed over the years in your kind of perspective and is it easier or more difficult to kind of get your films made um specifically mm. now after covid because i feel that is a big question in all of our minds yeah it's a question that i grapple with a lot um i i feel very um it's very difficult for me to talk about this uh, in a way because i i personally feel i i feel this is a very problematic industry i think that the film industry has this great power of representation and i don't think we've done a great job of it essentially um i don't think the world would look as it does if filmmaking was a more ethical space i think the film industry is very much it's conflicted because it's a space of creativity but it's driven by commercial value and capitalist values and so relationships are extremely transactional it doesn't mean that amazing things can't happen and beautiful films can't be made but it does mean that you know to stand on your own feet to make films on your own terms to really give agency to work ethically is extremely difficult and if you do that it's to the detriment of something mm. and so it might be that you know you don't engage with a, a kind of more a space that can enable you to live properly in order to make the films that you really want and that's problematic because it it brings in questions of sustainability mm. for, for you but not for the industry. Um, you know, you might compromise in different ways, um, but the industry so far is not really compromising. And I think that's what I find really challenging. Um, on the other side, I'm also really conscious that, you know, different generations bring different energies into the space. And I'm perhaps, um, I think that, that, you know, there are, there is new energy that's coming into this space and maybe that will not engage with the realities of the industry in quite the same way. A lot has been disrupted through the emergence of streamers, for example, and that's that's taken the industry, not necessarily by surprise, but forced uh, a reckoning that perhaps people weren't quite engaging with. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think that there's a lot of discussion around diversity at the moment, which is a really important and, you know, necessary discussion. But, you know, if there was really, I, I think that there's a lot, um, there's a lot of work that could and should have been done and that there's a lot of essentially exclusion that's hardwired into the, into the, you know, the institutions that create um, this, that you know that are the the bedrock of this industry, and if those aren't changing, then you know change is going to be partial. Mm. And then, how so, would you envision, in your opinion, this change happening into the future? For example, uh, it's a big question. <laughs> it's a very big. As well, I suppose. I think we need. To, I I suppose. Accountability is a really important facet of this work. I don't think we can simply kind of change rules, change people. I think we need to understand the the kind of the histories that we're standing on. Um, you know, within the documentary space, I think an understanding or a recognition that this form 
is probably the oldest form of, of storytelling or of filmmaking and that it has a very problematic past as well you know uh, anthropology in its early days was you know very colonial you know a kind of exclusively colonial practice um it's it brought and and i think so much of that also echoes into today in ways that perhaps we don't fully recognize or acknowledge yeah um and then kind of hopping off that what were your feelings or kind of your experiences of working with the various people throughout your documentaries for example the specific characters to the directors and how important is that in your storytelling and in what you do? Well, I think that's the most important thing really. I think um, people are the most important thing. In terms of the filmmakers that I've worked with, I think you filmmaker, well, documentary in particular, you, you might know where it starts, but you just have no idea where it's going to go. And if you don't, know that you can have an honest conversation with someone um, then it, it you really need to question whether you can work together I think at times I've I've understood that in really difficult circumstances but um, everyone that I've worked with these have been relationships that have been built over years and in sometimes in really complicated situations and scenarios and sometimes in incredibly moving and kind of life-affirming realities. So, yeah. And kind of on, on top of that, in a lot of your previous work in productions, often the theme and importance of love, connection and understanding is really emphasized. Could you kind of explain a bit about that or don't you um, talk a bit about that? Yeah, I, I really love that question actually, because so often when people talk about the films that I've made, they emphasize perhaps that there's, that, that maybe the subjects are difficult. Um, and I actually think there's a flip side to that. I think perhaps, you know, they, there's, it, it is the intersection between the personal and political and actually, you know, what binds people, it's actually love and understanding and connection. And so um, I, re I really like that, that way of looking at things. Um, it's quite refreshing, actually. I really love it. <laughs> my, my, um, my family always joke about um, how depressing the films I make are. And I really disagree with this, by the way. I, I don't think that I make depressing films. I think that sometimes they... Um, they can be hard hitting maybe because they engage with um, complex realities, but what underpins everything is, as I said, love and connection. And why that is, well, I guess if you're going to spend years trying to engage with something, you need to know why you're doing it. And, and so often I think I've worked with directors who are trying to understand something um, something that speaks to the kind of resilience of the human spirit. And I, I'd say that's probably the thing that unites maybe all the different individuals that, that we've worked with, you know, collectively, all the different filmmakers I've, I've made films with. Um, it really is that kind of space of resilience of the human spirit. And, and yeah, in, in all of the films, anywhere in the world um, that I've worked. Yeah. 
Oh, that's lovely. And then in a way, <laughs> looking back at your career, what have been your most memorable moments from everything you've done? Hmm. <laughs> it's so it's on different days, you probably say different things. Yeah. I, I'd say, I mean, it's always easier in a sense to think back to once films are finished because then, <laughs> you know, you have something to hang on to. Um, the process of making a film is so, it's quite confused. I, I often feel it's a lot like being lost and I don't mind being lost. I, I actually have a really terrible sense of direction. And I think being lost is a very helpful thing to engage with as a storyteller because the, the point is not that you're lost. The point is how you're going to find your way and what are you going to trust? So you know, do you speak to people? Do you kind of, you know, start to look around more? Like, do you pay more, what do you pay more attention to? So the process of filmmaking and being lost, I think it's when you're in it, I think you're, you're responding constantly. And so when you're making films, you know, some of the films I've made, A Syrian Love Story, you know, we sh it was made over five years. Even when I fall was made over seven years. Ayuni was made over seven years as well. You know, these are long, long processes. So they're also really long periods of time to be so lost, <laughs> um, for want of a better word. And it's it's really hard to pinpoint moments within that, um, within those. I, I could say for, so yeah, it's easier to think about films as they're finished. I'd say some of the most memorable things um, one thing that always really moves me and gives me a lot of energy is seeing how people respond to films. And I think that often gives me kind of motivation and, and you know, I suppose almost like courage to keep going. But I really, really remember that um, with a film called Even When I Fall, which was about um, a circus in Nepal. Uh, so it was a, a group of young people who'd been who were survivors of trafficking in circuses in India who set up their own circus in Nepal through which they communicated about um, trafficking and, and were doing a lot of anti-trafficking work. So an incredible group of young people, an incredibly inspiring story, but equally a very challenge, you know, it, it's not like a, uh, it's not like a Disney film where, you know, <laughs> like everything's amazing at the end necessarily because actually the challenges of of a complex past are kind of never left behind um but I remember we did so much we did a lot of different pieces of work with that film um in the UK and in Nepal but I remember having this one screening with a group of young people um because I was really keen to engage a young audience and to kind of understand how they would work with the film and what they wanted to do with it. If they had the, you know, how could we make it a film for them, I guess, rather than the kind of classic cinema going audience only. And, and one young woman came out of the screening and she said to me, oh my God, if she can do that, speaking about Saraswati as one of the young women in the film, I think I could do anything. And I suppose, and that kind of that feeling of kind of empowerment is just so um, so incredibly moving, and I think I carried that for so long around this film um, because it was a really challenging film to distribute because it challenges notions of how we talk about um, 
bonded labor. It challenges mm -hmm. notions of how we talk about women and survival. And it was a film that didn't, didn't present a victimhood story. It, it instead presented a story of survivors. And as a result, at the very beginning, it was very challenging to, to actually even find, um, find people who are willing to speak our language, whether it was in its distribution, in the press, you know, it was, and, and so I suppose to, to kind of those uphill struggles, um, they're really helped by that kind of energy where you see that actually you've given someone something to hang on to and believe in. Um, so I have lots of stories like that that keep me going around and films. I love that. I can just love it. That is beautiful. Um, and then kind of, <laughs> I guess, on the flip side, what has been, you know, the most difficult or the challenges for the films you've produced? Gosh, I mean, over the years, <laughs> there's, there's, there's so many challenges, I think, to making films because making documentary in, in this way is also a very vulnerable space. And I think you have to, it, you know, we, I talked earlier about this notion of truth and I suppose perhaps the only truth embedded in a film really is kind of like how much you, you give into that space of vulnerability, which, you know, it comes back to being lost and acknowledging that you don't know and that you're going to place your frames somewhere and you'll place the frames where you feel comfortable based on what you've gleaned and what you've understood. Mm -hmm. um I could I mean I could talk about I could talk about so many things I could talk you know I produced a film in Japan a few years ago which which followed an incredible um uh a du like this duo of lawyers um who um supported minorities um in Japan and just had the most incredible both relationship but also incredible fights um, that they would take up and I'd say I mean like on a very basic level producing that film was so challenging because I was in the UK and the film and the director and the subject and everything was happening in Japan and that's an eight hour time zone difference um, and it's a very big gap when actually things are unfolding they're unfolding in a different language to what I know how to speak yeah. Um, you know, you also have to, like, there's a kind of presence, I guess, that you, you need to have as a team. Mm. Um, I could speak, you know, when I, we were filming a Syrian love story, uh, Sean McAllister, the director, was arrested in Syria. This was um, prior to the revolution at the very, very beginning of it. Mm. And, you know, the, the challenge of that reality is manifold because it's not just about Sean, it's also about the family that we were filming with mm. and who had to leave the country at the time. And so this, this kind of responsibility that you have, this compounded responsibility um, in the face of danger, but also not knowing and, and, um, and responsibility. And I think that's very difficult to you know, to juggle and reconcile. And, and in fact, I'd say for, for us in the film, if you see it or if you will see it, I, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but we do include that in the film. And I think it was really important to do that almost as a kind of point of accountability um, that 
there was a kind of like there was a part of responsibility and what happened to the family that that came from the filmmaking process and we wanted that to be acknowledged and we wanted that to be part of the discussion that was in the space happening around the film and mm. um, you can look at all of these things in retrospect and kind of decide that they mean different things um of, of you know in the long run it might have been that the family was safer leaving when they did and maybe I can think that and that gives me some solace somehow but maybe that's also just the story I'm telling myself but in any case I think it's the it's how you hold yourself to account and, and kind of how you um, engage with those challenges that that matters the most I think. Yeah definitely and I think you talked about this a bit before but how important is it for you and your storytelling to kind of hold this truthful lens or your own truth as you were saying? I think you know your own truth is the only thing that you can kind of speak to in a sense. I think you need to know where you stand and you need to know what's driving you and why you're making something because it's going to be long, it's going to be complicated, you're engaging with reality as it's unfolding and life is unpredictable, you just don't know what's going to happen, you have no footing apart from what's driving you. So nobody else needs to know what's driving you per se, but you need to know because that's your only anchor when you're making a documentary. Um, so to me, that's that's very important. And it's the thing that kind of, that keeps you going in a sense, um, or that, you know, you can come back to and remember why you keep going. Um, it it has to be something from, from deep inside of you. I, I think there are many different ways we can talk about challenges. And I, I often think as a producer, a lot of what I do is squaring circles, like making things that aren't meant to fit together, fit together. Um, on the kind of logistical side, you know, the film industry is not designed for the films that I'm trying to make. So, but in reality, it's always the human elements that are the most challenging. It's real space of responsibility, of working with people who have different realities, whose realities you might not be able to fully understand, and yet you're somehow responsible for or engaged with. And so you need to know why. And and by you knowing why, I think you can also impart more truthfully why you're engaging with someone else or why someone else might kind of like come into a space and trust you, yeah. I think. Yeah, and on that front, what advice would you give to people who are also interested in going down a similar path as you in documentary mm. production and storytelling? The future documentarians of the world. <laughs> the future documentarians of the world. Well, I look forward to seeing all everything that you have to tell us I think the most important thing is to trust your gut I think it's to you know your north star is what's driving you um one of the things I found really interesting in this this strange pandemic moment is actually how perhaps it has for me anyway it's brought me much closer to my instincts and I, I've always felt that I'm someone who is quite close to my instincts anyway but I felt that the kind of cutting out a lot of noise has actually made me think slightly differently. Um, I feel like if you put, you know, like you drop me in the middle of a forest now, maybe I would actually react differently to, to say this time last year. Yeah. Um, so I'd say the first thing is really think about how you feel about things and trust that if, you know, you have a meeting with someone and it doesn't feel quite right, trust that. 
if you are really excited by a story, but you're not sure about something, trust that feeling and, and dig into it. And it might be hard to hear what that feeling is telling you. It might tell you that you're interested in it for the wrong reasons, or it might tell you that this is actually relating to something really deep inside of you that is going to be huge. Um, but there will be so much unknown on the journey that I think having some sense of what's most motivating you is really important. Um, on that and just one other thing I'd say, sorry, is, is it's really important to work with people that you, oh, sorry, I hope you don't hear the banging of doors. <laughs> um, it's really important to work with people that you respect, that you trust, um, that you can communicate with. I think there'll be lots of ups and downs. You'll have arguments, you might get emotional, you might say things that you regret, but they need to not, um, you know, you. A relationship is not defined by its arguments if it has a, a solid grounding, solid footing. Um, so that's really important. And the other the final thing I'd say, which is a mistake I have made, is to really don't underestimate your value. You know, if you're investing your time, if you're investing your energy, if you're investing your, your love and your care into something, don't defer your fee. If anyone is being paid, you can also be paid. This is really important. And I actually feel that there's, as I was talking about generations, it's as if I'm, I'm like a, a grandmother in this space, but I feel like that there is a new generation that, that talks differently in this way. And I think that's really very, very important because there are resources in the film industry and they also belong to you. Yeah, that is honestly some great advice. And then what exciting projects can we expect or are you working on now? Uh, exciting projects. I, I wanted to also just to say, um, and throughout this pandemic, I've, I've really tried to say this whenever possible that, you know, making is, is amazing if you can do it, but you know, there are moments also where you, you should and you can also take time out. And over the last year, I've taken some time out because I think this is also a very strange period and I think it's okay to not always be making and producing and to, and maybe actually you might, you know, I mean, personally, I think by stopping and sitting quite still, I've actually probably made a lot more weirdly than, um, but it's just, it looks different. It's just like much more internal at the moment or it's much more kind of building phase, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, so just to say that, um, but it's an important thing to say definitely especially within the pandemic where there's this push for people to feel in the need to do something when in reality it's important to take a breath a breather and reflect and take take your time definitely well also because you know within um i'm less aware of other creative industries but within the film industry a lot of the discussion has been around insurances and how we can get back to work and how we can safely kind of be filming and and you know, that's one way of approaching things. The other way is, is saying, this is perhaps not vital. <laughs> and we could also stop because we are, we, you know, in the UK, in any case, we have the good fortune of, of okay, a super problematic government, but equally have been supported um, mostly during this pandemic, during this phase. So we can also afford to stop. 
Um, so I just feel it's really important to note because there is also this, um, this drive, you know, that we have to be making all the time. We have to be prolific and we have to engage. And I think there are different ways of making and stopping is also a way of kind of giving enough space. Maybe, as I was saying, to, to listen to your instincts a bit more and see where they're pointing you. Um, but I, I have been, I've been, I've continued essentially developing films that I've been working on for some time. Um, one is an archive based film that's looking back to the 90s um, and kind of reflecting on that period um, as a brief moment of multiculturalism. That's working with a director called Anna Naomi D'Souza. Mm -hmm. And it's based on a treatment that was co-written with Omar Al-Khairi and also working with Lina Kaikedo as an archive producer. And that's a very exciting film that I can't tell you very much more about because there's so much that we're working through at the moment. Um, but I look forward to hopefully sharing something maybe in the next year. And I'm working on another film with Stephen Eastwood, who I'd made Island with a few years ago. Um, and that film is, I suppose, it's very much in development. Um, it's a co-created film and it's looking to answer the question, what would the cinema look like if it had been imagined by a neurotypical, neurodiverse perspective rather than a neurotypical perspective? Um, so it, I can't tell you what the film will be. But I look um, to it. We all look forward to it, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's much like our previous um, collaboration, which was, I guess, a, a question mark as well. The question with that film was, um, why do we deny agency to someone at the end of their lives? Like, why do we look away from death? And the film looks to, to, um, to kind of ponder that question, I guess. Um, and so when I say having no roadmap, that's, as, you know, these are films with no roadmap. Um, so, so working, um, been working on those. I don't know when we can expect them, but they're, they're in process. That sounds great. Thank you for <laughs> really very much your insightful conversation, the words that you're saying throughout, which I'm sure will inspire future documentarians and producers alike. And thank you all for listening. <laughs>